This is the business of sports. Should Major League Baseball shorten up the season? How do we present football to the audience of the future? I don't think that most players understand the power that they have. Michael Barr. The future of IndyCar racing is looking bright. Scott Soshnick. Very basic math here. More bidders means more money. Evan Novi Williams. The team value has essentially quadrupled. And the leaders in the sports industry. Time to bring in our guest, Hal Steinbrenner. National Hockey League Commissioner Gary Bettman. Atlanta Braves President Derek Schiller. Patriots President Jonathan Kraft. Bloomberg Business of Sports. From Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Scott Soshman. I'm Evan Novi Williams. And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast where... We, you and we, I... No hyphen. We, nothing, again. No hyphen. The hyphen's the worst. All right, we'll explore the big money issues in the world of sports. All three of us. Whether yes. Whether being in or not. And, and Medina, too. Hi, Medina. Hi, good morning. She found the button. She was just, there was a little, I saw, I could see there was a little panic. And like, oh my God, where's the button? Where's the button? I wasn't (laughs) expecting it. It was like a look away. It was like a look away though. You you, you (laughs) went for the mic to look away and you got it. I did. Very, very well done. This is the art of uh, multitasking. Muscle memory. You knew exactly how far to go. Yes. That was very good. I was impressed. That was impressive. Uh, And like it says here though, speaking of impressive, don't say we're going to begin with Avenatti because we're not. Okay. Don't read that. All right, we won't. Okay, gonna, we won't read the. No, we want to go with the balls. We, we want to start with the balls. No one's listening anymore, anyway. Not true. So uh, they're waiting for your bits of genius. So are we going to big baller? Yeah, let's going? do big baller. Let's do uh, big baller. Man, what happened? It's it's you know first of all somebody is apparently uh, accused of taking a bunch of money and well, uh, it, a friend it's of a the mess. family that Lavar Ball brought in is now apparently accused of. Well, is he accused? Of, they just can't find one one and a half million dollars. Yeah, I mean, he's been they accused what of happened. siphoning yeah, where's one the and a half million dollars off the company. Happens they, to me all the time. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet. Uh, but yeah, the bigger story, to me at least, is that this appears to be the end, the end of, of, the brand. of BBB, the big baller brand. Um, bye bye, big know, which brand. was a, which was a shooting star in the landscape of uh, of, of basketball merchandise. Uh, remember, Lavar, you know, the father started this. Well, I guess two years ago now. Um, it seemed like the end game for him was to build a brand around his three sons, all of whom are basketball players, um, and then maybe try to license that or sell it to a bigger company. Obviously, yeah. that never materialized. There were, you know, four hundred and ninety-five dollars shoes. Yeah. There were two hundred and ninety-five dollars sandals. You know, there was a lot of I'm a lot of missteps. You're, you're not a static, but I'm surprised that you didn't have a pair of big baller brands. <laughs> you're surprised I didn't pay five hundred dollars for sneakers. <laughs> well, say, say, mom, you <laughs> know, met. it's my birthday, and I would never buy this for myself, but I'd like a pair of big baller brands. <laughs> I certainly appreciate. Part of what was attempted here, I don't think they did it necessarily in in, in, in the best way. There was a pop up shop in in New York for a little bit. Um, I like the idea of somebody kind of trying trying to challenge the you know the incumbent system where Nike and Adidas and and Puma and a few I just others that's are what absolutely N1 dominant. Was. They had the mixtape tour. It represented sort of the avant garde, the the street game. Sure. So if Big Baller Brand was supposed to be a newer version of that. I think that's great, right? But I mean, it seems like, you know, partially because Alan Foster, this friend of the family who owns uh, a sixth of the company, uh, since it appears that he was taking money away. And, and we saw this week Lonzo, who plays for the Lakers, uh, he took the tattoo, the big baller brand tattoo, and covered it up with a pair of dice on his arm, that's which a tough, I assume. That's a tough one to cover the big baller brand tattoo. Uh, yeah, that's I assume that one. means this is the end of, of big baller brand as we know it. But now let, let's break it down. What what happened? I mean, yes, we can say, you know, obviously when you steal money, that's not good if that's what happened. But can you break down exactly why this is about to 
come to the end of the road? I don't think we. I don't think we're ever going to know. I mean, certainly when you lose a million and a half dollars, that's a big deal. There's I don't, certainly. I don't see a lot of big Bowler Brand shoes. Being yeah, there's worn, also the possibility that. that it was just not working in in the way it intended. Right, if it, if it was a money losing venture and. You know, they wanted to get out of it. Lonzo, it appears, if you if you read his social media, maybe moving over to Nike already. Nike stuff, I mean, right. if the if the if they had decided this wasn't going to work, and you know, fraud or no fraud, you know, from their family friend, do you there's want just a chance do you want that Lonzo it, Ball? If you're Nike, do you want Lonzo Ball? I I'm not. I I don't know enough about basketball to know if he's good or not. But he, well, he was a top three pick. He plays alongside LeBron James. There's always going to be attention on the Lakers, regardless that, yeah, that, of who's that didn't playing go so on the well team. This year. No, it's not, not in the playoffs, but yeah. there, there are players that are not going to make the playoffs this year. LeBron James included, right? Who is a marketing, you know, is a marketing juggernaut. Yeah, I think that Le- Le- Lonzo Ball probably moves the needle a little bit. And if you're Nike, right, you have the money. Why, why not shell out just, a little bit more why not for Lonzo? Get him. Okay. Let's move on, and uh, this is a story that uh, Evan wrote, and it involves Michael Avenatti. Oh, sticking with the Nike family here. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah quite, Speaking of Nike. Quite a bizarre start to the week here. Um, while we were recording our podcast on Monday, Michael Avenatti tweeted that he you know, was, was on the verge of announcing you know, major college basketball scandal, bribery news involving Nike. Um, and as we were kind of typing at the keyboard trying to get caught up on that, uh, the Southern District of New York federal prosecutors charged uh michael avenatti with trying to extort nike right so so the narrative flipped very quickly um if you look at the complaint they have recorded conversations of michael talking to nike lawyers threatening to take quote billions off of their market cap and by the way he and was, mark garagos who represented garagos, colin kaepernick in and his Jesse talks Smollett. with nike yeah. i mean it's <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's a, it's a, the 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 mix of AAU basketball, Nike, Garagos, Avenatti. We have sound of Avenatti. Uh, this is what he has to say about his involvement here. I am highly confident that when all of the evidence is laid bare in connection with these cases, when it is all known, when due process occurs, that I will be fully exonerated and justice will be done. The man knows how to get attention. I'll give him that. <laughs> I will give him that. The man knows how to get attention. So there's two, obviously, two things here. One, if he extorted Nike, don't do that, right? Like kids at home, that's yeah, bad. Don't extort. Um, but there is certainly a chance that outside of the criminal act of extortion, um, that there may be some truth to the underlying information he had about Nike. And, and we got a little bit of hint of that. The day after he was arrested, when he, you know, was tweeting kind of cryptic messages about DeAndre Ayton, who was the first pick in the 2018 NBA draft, Bull Bull. also Bull Bull, who's a freshman at the University of Oregon. No which, school more closely tied <laughs> to Nike than Oregon. Relationship, uh, might as well rename uh, it Oregon. Phil Knight University. Um, Ayton is a is a guy, you know, a couple months ago when the trial for for the, for the earlier bribery stuff was happening here in Brooklyn, somebody testified that that they had paid, an Adidas representative said that he had paid uh, DeAndre Ayton's family. So. Credit to the Aitens, by the way, getting it from all sides. Yeah, from Don't potentially just take it from, one, from Nike and Adidas. And by um, the way, then wound up signing with Puma. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we look back, maybe all this isn't all that effective. Which is, a, yeah, kind of a nice reminder that this is not an exact science. Nobody's right? signing contracts here. Um, right. Yeah, but again, a, a tough, just another piece of, you know, another piece of uh, something to embolden those who think the NCAA and youth basketball 
and and college basketball have a, have a big structural problem here. Um, it just another, you know, brings it back into the spotlight. The fact that you know it's an open secret. We've talked about it before, but you know the the, the levels of youth basketball at the high school and the club level, and the way that bleeds into college and then into the pros. Um, there is a lot of illicit payments, and there's a lot. Going but would you on say there. realistically, they know it's a long shot, or maybe not a long shot, but a, a, a better than or less than average chance that a high school kid, let's say his family does take money, will sign with that particular brand. But more importantly, if it actually works, is to get that top recruit to the university that you represent. Yeah, that That's the real payoff here. Both Bull Bull and DeAndre Ayton went to Nike schools. You could say that Nike and Oregon are two of the bigger, you know, the bigger schools writ large in college sports in, in the Nike stable. Um, yeah, so yeah, you can say that, you know, certainly uh, when DeAndre Ayton was playing in the NCAA tournament, right, he was he was wearing Nike, and there's a chance, I mean, you get a better shot of, of signing him as a pro if he's used to playing in the shoes in there's college. There's a reason the scenes in Blue Chips, remember the Shaq and Nick Nolte movie? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, Neon Boudreaux. There's a reason why the exaggerated storylines work. Mm-hmm. Because... In reality, that's sort of what goes on. Yeah. So there's a reason why. Here's your tractor, you know. Your dad got a new tractor. And we're going to hear a lot more about this, right? We know the feds are continuing to investigate, you know, all the threads that they were pulling. Um, that didn't really touch Nike. It touched some Nike schools, but didn't touch Nike as a whole yet. Uh, there's also a chance in Michael Avenatti's case separately that just as part of discovery or part of that process, uh, the information that he had that he originally brought to Nike maybe comes out. Um, we have not seen anywhere near the bottom, I think, of of, of the, the college basketball oh, no. sneaker scandal. Well, by the way, and I want to clarify something in case anybody's saying, hey, I thought Avenatti was accused of taking money from a client. Well, yes, he's accused <laughs> of both because in New York, here is where the Nike case is. On the West Coast in California – is where the the case is where he's accused of taking over a million dollars from his client. One other fun little item from the from the Avenatti complaint: w- w- the conversations he had with Nike. He had he had a client who was an AAU basketball coach who apparently had evidence that that, that Nike was paying players. He wanted one point five million dollars for his client. The other way he was extorting Nike is he wanted Nike to hire his law firm to do the internal investigation at a retainer of 15 to 25 million dollars hire his law firm to do the invest the internal investigation and those investigations never go that the, high the, i mean it's about 2 to 3 million bucks on the high end it's an insane price to me it also totally highlights kind of the the farcical nature of when you see these things pop up and suddenly you know the the organization hires an outside law firm to come in and they say they're independent but they're under contract from the organization itself and rarely those things ever turn up anything that is in, in, in incredibly incendiary i don't know to me that just kind of highlighted the fact that when you see you know hey we've hired a law firm to do an independent internal investigation uh very often possibly those things are uh, uh are scripted bar, what brand would you endorse that came to what's the high use i'm just curious like what, what brand would the bar name go with what, what do you kids baby kids kids all right big bar brand big. Yeah. oh there you go hey. big bar brand. <laughs> i can't even top that that's good <laughs> uh let's move on the mets will ponds are they Meet actually the selling a, a stake of the team no they're buying <laughs> wait a minute! Wait a minute! I'm away from the mic. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Yes. Wait a minute! Charter are, really are. Yeah, they're they're buying. I, Some but, of the limited partners, Charter Communications right. and Comcast, yeah. right. were selling the piece of the team that they own. Right. And the Mets had right of first refusal, and Inner Circle Sports was out there marketing this piece of the team. Um, 
and they got an offer. And because the valuation wasn't quite as high as what we think the Mets would be worth, or most people would think the Mets are worth, right. the Wilpons, and they ha- who have control anyway, whether or not they right. get yeah, the I stake mean, or they, not. They have the yeah. Drill um, but the price was right. So the Wilpons have apparently decided to buy that stake in the team, raising their total control of the franchise. So this is about 12%, right? Right around uh, there, yeah. stake from Comcast and Charter? Yeah. Um, interesting, yeah. There, there seems to be like kind of two ways that people have reacted to this, right? One is is the way you said in that, you know, maybe the he had provided first refusal, money wasn't flowing in necessarily to it, and he didn't want to have a stake out there that was going at such a low valuation, right? So he bought it back himself? Well, it makes sense because these smaller stakes, think about why would you spend a whole lot of money to buy a minority share of a team when you have no path to control, <laughs> I wouldn't, no yeah. <laughs> say in how the team is run. So right. they're devalued. There's often a 20 to 25% discount for limited partnerships. So if the number is going to be low compared to what the team is, we think, worth or valued at, then if you're the Wilpons, why not take it at the lower number? Because if and when at some point you do sell, if you choose to sell control of the team, then you're going back to that higher valuation. So you'll make your money back on the money you just spent on that stake. So you explained, that's what was confusing to me about this, is like, well, wait a minute, it makes sense if you're going to sell a piece of this of the team. I didn't know they were going to buy it back. Yeah, no, they're, buying, they're, they're increasing their ownership stake of the team at a lower valuation. Because one day, hey, who knows, right now, you know, they always say, hey, we love the team, it's going to stay in the family, it'll never be sold. Okay, that's fine. But if you can get that stake at a lower price... When you do, or if you at some point do decide to sell the team outright and sell control, you're going to get a whole lot of bidders and a high number for the New York Mets, so you'll make money on that piece you just and, bought. And let's actually give some numbers here. The, the valuation that, that the Wilpon and Sterling Equity bought the Mets stake back at valued the team at $1.5 billion. Yeah, what do you think the Mets it, yeah, would be in an team, open auction? If the team was for oh, sale overall, I assume it would, it would plus billion? catch a lot more than yeah. $1.5 billion. Yes. It'd be an amazing figure. Oh, you had to do it. You had to do it. Oh. God almighty. Ah, God. Ended on that. Real quick, funny. before we go, um, <laughs> earlier this week we talked about uh, David West and the BP oh, yeah. oil spill story, which for my money is one of the more bizarre stories that we've that we've talked about on the show this year. Um, shout out to Jay Hutchinson, a, a, a listener of ours, who sent he went through an, a very detailed kind of breakdown of exactly how this happened. So we have more information about it. I'll give it to you real quick. Um, as part of BP's class action settlement for individuals, uh, people were out, if, if you could say that your employment, you know, your earnings were restricted due to the spill um, and your employer was in an ep- economic loss zone, which presumably the Pelicans were, um, you were allowed to file for a claim. Um, and that's what David West did. Uh, and the way those claims worked is you kind of looked at your 2009 salary and your 2010 salary, and if you could show that there was a difference there, um, you had a claim to put in for BP. Uh, so Except David if West, your salary was only supposed to be. <laughs> well, so that's the, that's the thing. David West followed everything correctly, right? His 2009 salary was this. Was, his yeah. 2010 salary was $1.4 million Which less. Which is what his contract Went through the for. whole process. Um, it, it went through a few appeals panels where he won – before finally BP got to the, the the later court of appeals, which looked at it and said, we have no evidence here that this, this $1.4 million drop has anything to do at all with the oil spill, so we're throwing this out. Um, so that's exactly that's how it broke down. To me, it, it's just kind of an amazing look at how the legal system and bureaucracy works right now, where this is an obvious 
kind of silly claim, right? All you had to do that, was look at his contract. That went through multiple, multiple stages before finally someone with the authority to say, this is dumb, uh, Barb, let's before, get rid of Before it. you hit, though, can you want to have some fun right here? Yeah. Okay. Let, let's see how fast Medina can find the button. Medina, talk quickly. Hey, hi. Whoa. Whoa. Did you see that coming? Uh, kind of. Oh, that was good. Well, I was anticipating because you were like, oh, let's have some fun. So I thought maybe. Oh, that you thought, oh let me start listening to the show. <laughs> Finger on the button. <laughs> She's like, oh, this is where they get in trouble. Scott said fun. Get you, uh, well, you know, Jeopardy, you put the man. F-U in fun. Oh, boy. Oh, you might, well, might as well hang out with Barr. Yeah, wrap it up. I'm going to wrap this. It's, it's it me up. hanging out with Barr too much. This you know? is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast. I'm Michael Barr, along with Scott Soshnick. And Eben Novi Williams. We are here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week when we speak with Rick Welts, uh, the COO and president of the Golden State Warriors. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world and online where you get your podcasts.